And um, I was so overwhelmed because I was like, these are my people and I am an alcoholic. And instead of saying it at like jokingly and like as a badge of honor, I was saying it like, no, really, you know? And so I was driving home and I was so mad at God. I was just like, you know, I just, I don't have a lot. I'm a single mom. At the time I was living paycheck to paycheck, you know? Uh, And I was just like, really, you're going to take away vodka too. It's like all I have, you know? And I'm driving and I'm mad at God shaking my fist. And um, I was like, you know what, big guy, if this is really it, then you need to give me one more sign. Just give me one more sign. And then I swear I'm done. I mean, here I am negotiating with God, right? Um, who I'm sure is laughing his ass off at me because he's just like this girl, like what this girl, how many signs do I have to give this girl? Right. Right. And so, but here I am driving down the freeway, shaking my fist, screaming in my car, like a crazy person. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. And this ding, this ding goes off in my car. And I look down and in the dash, it says perform service. This episode is brought to you by visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Sober is Dope podcast, and I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce our special guest, Elise Bryson, the founder of The Sober Curator. Elise is a strong woman in recovery, an innovative media maven, marketing guru, and gal about town. She has a humorous outlook on life combined with a fierce determination to succeed. In her words, I'm just a laid back old school Seattleite with superpowers. Elise is proud of her Pacific Northwest roots and the 14 plus years of sobriety, one day at a time. She is a single mom to her adult son, Jacob. He's 24, and they're two Boston Terriers, Roxy and Bella. When she's not stuck behind the computer screen, Elise enjoys traveling and spending time with her friends and family. Elise loves hunting for street art and usually has a camera in her hand. Consuming content is what she does best. You can find Elise at thesobercurator.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really pumped today to bring you this special guest. Elise has been a really bright light and a force in the recovery community. She has been there for me on my journey. She always shows support and she's always coming up with something innovative for the recovery community to keep the theme of recovery alive. I'm really excited to interview her today and talk to her about her process. Elise will make 15 years sober in May of 2021. That's really exciting. So I'm pumped to pick her brain and to learn more about her creative process. We have a lot to cover. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna bring you guys in live with my friend, Elise Bryson, the founder of The Sober Curator. Thank you.
Hello? Hey! It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. So I know you have a lot going on. Um, and I really wanted to do this because I really wanted to learn, learn more about you. And But I also want to talk about 424 and stuff. And I think it was the right time yeah. to do this. So, so we have Elise Bryson on the Sofa's Dope podcast. Welcome here today. And I just want to say thank you so much for all of your hard work and contributions to the recovery community. Elise, you know, Elise, you touched me deeply. Like when I first started, I didn't really, I was just doing the Sober's Book, Sober's Dope podcast and I was really gun ho. I didn't really connect with too many people, but you was always a warm person in my corner. You was always there. I always thought you was fascinating. And I just want to thank you for being kind to everyone in the recovery community and doing all of the hard work that you have going on. Yeah, it's just, you know, in the last year being in in a lockdown pandemic situation, it, I really had to take a look at like being of service is who I am. Like that's who I am to my core. Um, it's not how who I always was, but it is who I am today. And so in the last year, it was like, how can I continue to be of service? But, you know from right here in this little box and from behind my screen. So um, I'm not a person who had done a lot of recovering out loud on the internet. Right. Um, my sobriety dates five, one, 2006. So, you know, I've been at this thing for a little bit now and um, for the first 10 years, like anyone in my life on a personal, like day to day in my life, physically, I never shy away from talking about my recovery and what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. Right. I was never shy away from that, but it was not something I ever put out on the internet. And like, I can even remember celebrating, um, so birthdays or anniversaries, whatever you want to call them. Right. And like for my fifth birthday, I, um, I was like, I'm celebrating today. I'm celebrating my Chanel number five. You know, I always put out like these cryptic messages that if you knew me well, you would know what that is. Um, But in the last year, I've seen this movement of people recovering out loud really start to swell. And um, and I just I had had to be a part of it. Right, right. And I'm glad you are because just your presence and testimony. And look, you have a lot of years. 15 years is nothing to sneeze at, right? Almost. Almost. What's the trick? What's the trick? What's the trick? Well, I am very much a one day at a time girl. Okay. Um, and if, because if you, if you had told me, you know, nearly 15 years ago, hey, Elise, if you do these things, um, you never have to drink again and you'll get all this time and you'll get all these amazing things will happen in your life. Right. Um, I would have, no, not this girl. <laughs> you know, I lie, ste- I lie, I cheat, I steal. Um, I, I'm not a person of my word. That's who I was. And, right, um, right. but doing this thing one day at a d- one t- day at a time really simplified it. Right. Um, and then um, for me, it's really um, being reliant on a higher power, which I choose to call God and mm-hmm. and and being plugged into the recovery community um, and being of service to others and helping other. Once once I had some people show me the way that that worked for them and I started to mimic and fake that until it became my own. And then I started helping other women, um, you know, with their addiction issues. Like there's nothing more incredible than seeing a mother like get her kids back or excel in her career you know like it's just that's the best I didn't realize that was going to be the best part I thought me getting sober was going to be the best part but really helping other people you know reach their full potential is what really what really does it for me I love it I love it 
Do you feel comfortable in telling us a little bit of your personal origin story and how did your recovery journey and how it started? Maybe what was your drug of choice and what got you to this point? Yeah, of course. Um, so I I grew up in a private, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Both my grandfathers were pastors. I went to a private Christian school. Um, you know, I was at church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And because the, you know, and because part of the school was at the church and my mom was a teacher at the school, I was basically at the church every day. And um, so I grew up in a, in a middle class, lovely home. My parents are still married to this day. They live in, they still live in my childhood home um, in this small town that's about halfway between Seattle and Portland. Um, but at 16 and coming out of a private Christian school and being put into a public high school, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, I wanted to be one of the cool kids, right? I wanted so badly to be one of the cool kids. And I was told all these things like thou shalt not. Um, but then there was all these other things that I was like, well, no one told me I couldn't ever do this. And so I really started experimenting with alcohol and drugs. And um, I was blacking out within the first month or two of drinking. Like it just, it, 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 I, I have always had like, basically an allergic reaction to alcohol. Um, when I start, I can't stop. And, um, and then, you know, other drugs were introduced. Marijuana came onto the scene, um, mushrooms, ecstasy. Um, and then because I was such a blackout girl, um, cocaine would be, you know, would help me be able to drink more. So my drug of choice is absolutely alcohol because that is the one that when I start, I can't stop. And that is the one when I'm doing that, then I want to introduce all the other things. And growing up in a small town, if you couldn't get, if you couldn't get cocaine, then methamphetamines was kind of like the next logical step. And man, that's a dirty drug. Like that, um, that can really, I don't, those were not good times. Um, but somehow I managed, um, I managed to kind of like bump along the bottom. I got pregnant with my son at 20, um, dropped out of college, moved back home. Um, after I had him when he was like two months old, I moved back home. Um, wasn't never got married to his father. And I was, and I just took a year off and like, played stay-at-home mom so i scrapbooked and i worked out to like some mtv workout video that i thought was really dope and um it came to a point my parents were like okay you need you need to you need to go back and get a job and you know you need to provide for yourself and your kid and so but for that one year and for my pregnancy i really didn't drink or do any drugs and um but the moment that i picked back up the moment that i picked back up it was it was as if it had progressed the disease had progressed even though i wasn't drinking and it was actually worse than when i had stopped and and so throughout my 20s um I became really good at compartmentalizing things and keeping things all in their separate places. And so I could be the PTA mom at the private Christian school where now my son was going to, but I also was like sleeping with everybody at the downtown dive bar. Right. So it was like, just keep all, keep all the people separate and nobody will know you know what what i'm really up to and um and i got lots of bad things happened lots of scrapes that my parents got me out of um lots of things that you would have thought um would have been more than enough reason to give it up lots of trauma lots of sexual abuse um domestic violent type situations and um 
at, at 30, I woke up one day and I was just like, I can't stay in this small town anymore. I had really burned through. I was starting to really burn a lot of bridges. And, you know, I was a lot of fun until I wasn't. And even my closest friends were just like, you know, they weren't into it anymore. And um, and at the time I had I had fallen into a job in advertising at a small newspaper in my hometown. And so I woke up with this one day and I was just like, I can't be here anymore. I, I just I'm going to go to Seattle. I'm going to get a job at the Seattle Times. I'm going to put my life back together. And 30 days later, I had a job at the Seattle Times and I was living in Seattle because, wow. um, you know, addicts we love a clean slate we love the idea of a fresh start or a do-over um and sorry god i I always realize how much i wave my hands when i'm on camera i'm like ah um and so here i was like i moved close to his dad and his stepmom so that i could have some support for my son and at that point he had a half brother and i wanted you know them to be close to each other but so then i was like alone and that's when my drinking at home alone really took off because up until that point I was just a club girl like I clubbed Thursday night Friday night Saturday night right and then I dive barred like Tuesdays and Wednesday nights um so um but my drinking home alone really took off and so um but miraculously I was carpooling with this woman that I worked with and um, at the time, I, I didn't really care for her. And but if we carpooled together, we would get free parking downtown Seattle, which was, you know, saving some scratch. Right. right, right. So we started carpooling together. And um, and over those months, I would either be hungover or still drunk or, you know, all the sob stories. And I started just kind of pouring my heart out to this woman and she was sober and she was in 12 step and she just kept saying, yeah, I know. I know what that's like. And if you ever want to do something differently, you know, just let me know. She never forced it on me. She never told me I needed to stop. She never called me an alcoholic. She was just like, yeah, sounds familiar. If you ever want to do it, anything different, just let me know. And so eventually that Saturday morning came when I had been up all night. I was drunk. I was coked out of my mind. I called my sister and I was just sobbing. And um, she was like, well, why don't you call an 800 number? And I did that and they wanted me to dump out all my alcohol and I was like, well, that's wasteful. Like, I'm not going to do that. And keep in mind at the time, I wasn't even recycling. Okay. So it's not like I'm like Miss Sustainability. Um, But, and so I called my sister back. I'm like, they're crazy. They want me to dump out my alcohol. I'm not doing that. Um, So then she was like, well, what about the carpool lady? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, what about the carpool lady, you know? Right, right. So, um, so I called my friend and she took me to my first 12-step meeting and I hated it. I hated it so much. I still remember what I was wearing, this turquoise terry cloth, like leisure, like juicy couture, top right. and bottom. I looked like a Crayola color crayon, you know? I did not blend in. Right. Um, and I just, I went in and all I saw was the differences. I didn't see the similarities. Um. And so I was like, well, that's not for me. So now what do I do? And so I started kind of going to different therapists and I went to got evaluated at a couple of treatment centers that were local here in Seattle and finally ended up at this women's treatment center. And on that particular like inpatient consultation, whatever you call it, it was the first time for whatever reason, I just stopped lying and I just answered every question honestly. And um, because I was just really looking for someone to tell me how to drink like a normal person. Like, isn't there a pill you can give me for that? Right. right, right, You know, Um, and uh, 
So the woman in, you know, strongly recommended inpatient. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm a career girl. I'm a single mom. And at the time I was like salesperson of the the year, um, even though I was at my bottom, like I was still accelerating in my career. It was really strange. And um, and I just kept arguing with her, like, I can't go away for 28 days. I'm not Sandra Bullock. I can't do it, you Very know? Nice, right. And she was like, well, what about outpatient? And so I was like, I could do that. I can do that, but it'll have to be in a month because I need my son to be on summer break and I can send him to my parents and then I can work and then I can do treatment in the evening. Cause you know, here I am still trying to control everything. Right. right. I'm very type A. And, um, and so she was like, okay, what are you going to do between now and then not to drink? And I was just like, um, well, uh, I don't know. She's like, well, what about AA? And I was like, no. I don't think so. Yeah. I went to one of those, not for me. Um, she's like, well, can you control your drinking? And I was just like, oh, that's it. Duh. Why didn't I ever think of that? That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to control it. I'll see you in a month. Yeah. And so for a couple of weeks, I tried, tried control drinking and um, yeah, that doesn't work for me. Um, and if for miraculously I could keep it under three drinks, I was miserable, but I usually couldn't. And so um, the same lady had told me that there was a 12 step meeting at this treatment facility that was all women and that it was mainly for the people that were inpatient, but a lot of people who had gone through the program would come back and it was outsiders could come in. And if things Things got bad maybe i should go and check that out so right. so i said okay i'll i'll file that one away and so sure enough um nearly 15 years ago i showed up at that treatment center on a tuesday night and i walked in and i looked around the room and i was like okay all right these seem like chicks i would probably hang out with at the bar like i've seen some of these girls i think at the club like okay there's some moms here okay you know, and I sat as close to the door as I could and uh, didn't make eye contact with anyone, um, just kind of staring at my feet. And um, and I just I just asked God to open up my ears, just open mm. up my ears. Nice. And um, and that night, every single woman that spoke had my story to a T, like exact and in fact i was like oh my gosh are we are we sleeping with the same people like maybe i don't know and um i was so overwhelmed because i was like these are my people and i am an alcoholic and instead of saying it at like jokingly and like as a badge of honor i was saying it like no really you know and so i was driving home and i was so mad at god i was just like you know i just I don't have a lot. I'm a single mom. At the time I was living paycheck to paycheck, you know, uh, and I was just like, really, you're going to take away vodka too. It's like all I have, you mm. know, and I'm driving and I'm mad at God shaking my fist. And um, I was like, you know what, big guy, if this is really it, then you need to give me one more sign. Just give me one more sign. And then I swear I'm done. I mean, here I am negotiating with God, right? Um, who I'm sure is laughing his ass off at me because he's just like this girl, like right. what this girl, how many signs do I have to give this girl? Right? right. And so, but here I am driving down the freeway, shaking my fist, screaming in my car, like a crazy person. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. And this ding, this ding goes off in my car. Wow. And I look down and in the dash, it says perform service. At the exact moment, right? And I'm just like, holy shit, God is in my dash. (laughs) 
and I had to pull over to the side of the freeway and I just, I just broke. I just surrendered. I just, for me, that was my burning bush experience. I just was like, okay, here I was demanding a sign. You gave me one. I'm done. I'm out of ideas. I will do whatever you want me to do. Even if I don't like it, I'm done. And as I'm sitting there and trying to like wipe the snot off my face and, uh, and I'm laughing cause I'm just like, man, God has really got his hands full with me. Um, I look back down in the dash and, um, it performed service wasn't there anymore. And it, and it showed my gas tank and I had a little less than a quarter of a tank of gas. And in that moment, as if, as if there was a real person sitting in the passenger seat, this is how clearly of a voice I heard. You can do this now because the next time I come for you, you will be on complete empty. Wow. Right. Amazing. Fascinating. And and so um, by the grace of God, I have not had a drink since that night. Right. And Mm. it's not because I haven't wanted to. It's not because it was like rainbows and butterflies. Shit. The first year, the first five years of recovery is hard, you know, Um, but what I did at, at that point is I threw myself into 12 step. I got a sponsor. I did the outpatient treatment. I did out all, I poured my heart into those exercises. I gave it my all. And I'm the kind of girl that like, when I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 150% because I don't know how to, I'm either don't do it at all or overdo it, you know? Right. And, um, and I, and I, and so for those first several years, like I learned the buzzwords and I learned all the ways to make people laugh and cry in the meetings. And like I put a cover on my book because only serious people in recovery put a cover on their book. And, right. um, you know, I, I did a lot of faking it because I'm really good at the jazz hands game. I'm mm. in advertising. I'm a salesperson. I can't help myself. Right. Mm. Um, and then I hit this point around four or five years in sobriety where I didn't want to drink. I just didn't want to live. I, I just didn't want to live. And what had happened is the only thing that had really changed is I had removed the drugs and alcohol, but all of my behavior, my behavior really hadn't changed. Right. Um, and so that's when I really threw myself into a program of rigorous honesty and did a bunch of things that other people told me to do. Um, And I just really finally let it all go. And then it was after that, it was finally at that point that the obsession um, for alcohol was removed. Up until that point, I was really just kind of like white knuckling it. Um, But then the obsession got the remove and and, and then I started throwing myself into helping others. And then it was like Disneyland. Like if there is a sober Disneyland, helping other people is it, you know? Um, and so then, and around 10 and my career took off, I started running Seattle's largest lifestyle publication, which is crazy. Um, cause I'm, I'm, you know, I dropped out of college. Like I don't, you know, I'm like, I'm just a girl with street smarts. Um, and my life just got really big and really great, really fast. But I, but I always knew I had to keep putting my recovery first because without that, I wouldn't keep anything that I was getting, you know? Right. And, um, and I've been through some hard things. I had emergency heart surgery at the age of 40. Um, I thought I was having panic attacks and it turned out that I, um, my left artery, um, which is nicknamed the widow maker was 95% blocked due wow. to, um, long term due to drugs and alcohol. 
Um, and I had, I, I had transferred my alcoholism into workaholism and I, cause I was burning the midnight oil. I was single mom and working 80 to hundred hours a week. I was going to every party in town. You know, I was just networking my ass off. It was great for my career, but it was bad for my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up with emergency heart surgery. And in the same week, my son, um, who was 24 now, but was 18 at the time, um, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, and then, and he got really, really sick. He's six foot and he was down to like 120 pounds. He, he looked like Skeletor. And, um, and then about a month after that, I tripped after a yoga class cause I was wearing Birkenstocks and I got a concussion and I had short term memory loss. And then my son had to have this major operation and he was in the hospital for a week. And, um, and then we got home and two days later, our four year old dog died because he choked on a squeaker and and pop like the dog dying was it for me that was it that was it that was it i could handle the heart surgery i could handle the crowns i could even handle a little concussion but you took my dog like i just like you know and um so i i cashed in all, all my vacation time which i had a shit ton of and um and took six weeks off and was like i gotta I gotta, I gotta reset. I gotta figure out what's, I gotta, I don't know what I have to do. And, um, during those six, six weeks, God made it really clear. He's like, you're not going back to that job. Right. You know? And I was like, but my ego, my personality, it's all up. It's all wrapped up in that job. What do you mean? I'm not going back to that job. Like, what else am I going to do? He's like, you're going to chill, you know? And, uh, didn't, I didn't go back to that job and, um, took a, took a year off and really just worked on myself and, and worked with my son on, on his stuff. And we got another dog and then that dog was so crazy. We had to get a dog for the dog. (laughs) Um, you know, and, But like what that showed me is like the really hard things that you always think, well, if this happens, I'm going to drink. Like if this happens, this is my my freebie, right? This is my out. And um, I didn't have to drink through those things. And that's really a miracle. It's just really a miracle. Oh, my God. That's that's a lot. And I thank you. Thank you. Because what you just did was you showed everyone out there that there's a there's a lot of similarities with our addictions but there's also a blueprint right and your story is absolutely fascinating i wanted to ask you that little moment where you was a little suicidal and recovery was just hard that five-year mark was there any underlying mental health issues that wasn't being addressed was it a mental health aspect that was alongside of this addiction um any depression, anxiety, anything like that. Cause a lot of us in the communities, we go through all of this and we miss that one X factor. Like we deal with the, we go to the meetings, we deal with the addiction, but we never address maybe the trauma, the the depression, the sadness. So I just wanted to see if there was anything there that you had to address to help you on your successful journey. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was told kind of early on by some old timers in the room that if you just work this program, you won't need it'll it'll solve all your things. And maybe for some people it does. But for me, I definitely needed outside help. And um, the, the, the wake up call for me is up here in Seattle. Um, we have a lot of ferries as a way of getting around to different islands and whatnot. And I was on a sales call and had taken a ferry over to uh, to see a client. 
And I, I was like on the third day of like, I just could not stop crying. Just the just just their tears were falling out of my face and i just kept telling people oh it's allergies it's my contacts just i'm fine don't mind me um and um i was coming back from that meeting and i just missed the ferry i just missed i mean like i was the cutoff and so that put me in the very front line for the next ferry so i'm sitting there and i'm crying um and this thought comes into my head that when the next ferry pulls up and everybody exits, I can drive on and then I can just keep going and like Thelma and Louise it and just drive off the other end. And, and, and I actually thought I was going to do it. And like, I felt like I could not control that thought at all. And I was terrified that I was going to do it. And so I called someone and she stayed on the phone with me. And, and then as soon as I got, we, you know, got to the other side and got off the ferry. Um, I immediately drove myself to the emergency room because I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Um, and that was, um, it was a really unpleasant experience and I was still very much in my workaholism. So even as I'm like in the emergency room waiting to be seen, I'm on my phone, sending work emails, like refusing to stop and acknowledge like something really big is happening. Um, and so, um, a lot of questions and they were, you know, they wanted to know, like, did I, you know, did I want to go away? Did I need some time? And I was like, I, I just, I think I want to go see my primary care and then decide and have him tell me what to do. And so ultimately for me, I did have, um, I got evaluated and I needed to get on antidepressants. Um, and I was really resistant to that. Um, cause I just felt like it, I didn't want to be relying on it. I felt like there was a stigma around it. And what did that mean about me? And, um, but in getting on those meds, it really did. And following them exactly how they're, so that's the funny thing about medication. Yeah. If it's prescribed by someone who knows what they're doing and you follow the directions exactly how it's prescribed, it actually works, right. you know, right. <laughs> weird. Right. And, um, and that works for a while. And I definitely, and I got into therapy because I do have a lot of trauma and PTSD from things from over the years that have never been dealt with, had never been dealt with right. that really did need a professional to help talk me through. Right. Um, and in some ways I feel like I'm still in that. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not done there yet. I don't know if I'll ever be done. You know, it's kind of like a, uh, an onion uh, like peeling off the layers and it's like the deeper I go the more that comes out and in the last year I've been um there's been a lot of stuff from childhood bubbling up that like I'm like where is this coming from but um and I've had to have my medications tweaked a couple different times um you know I definitely um I can go through little bouts of mania where I'm just like yeah. really just like just like obsessively can't stop doing things and not sleeping well and not doing self-care. But I have enough um, bumpers in my life now and accountability people. Um, My medical charts are like covered with everything. And, and um, I have people that I'll call randomly and just ask me, did you take your pills today? Because sometimes I just will, I won't take them. I don't know why, you know, it's, and it's a self-sabotage thing. It's like, um, and, and my, my commitment in asking my accountability partners is that my promise to them is I won't lie to you. Um, you know, so if you call and I, and I am not taking them, I'm going to tell you the truth. And, um, that's worked for me. It's worked for me really well to have those. And I've never once had a resentment when 
they've called and done what I've asked them to do. And there's, you know, it's surprising how many people, when you ask for help, they want to help you, right. you know, they, right. and whether they know you or not, they want to help. And so, um, yeah, I do deal, I do deal with some outside issues. Um, and I, I probably will for, for the unforeseeable future. Hey, well, you know, thank you for sharing that because that's the thing. There is a stigma there and there's nothing absolutely wrong with using pharmacotherapy. Um, it just actually helps with your neurotransmitter hormones to just regulate to help you get into a better mood. The thing that people don't understand, and this is what we talk about a lot on Sober is Dope, is that when we go through these repeated traumas, whether it's loss, it could be the loss of the dog, it's grief, the abuse, the things that happen that we don't remember in our addiction, those blackout moments, the people that took advantage of us, those stuff get compounded and they get stashed away somewhere in your subconscious. And you got to keep you tend to keep replaying these things and it's real trauma. And if you don't address it, no matter how much you try to avoid these drinking or the addiction, one bad thing could come into your life. And the next thing you know, you explode. So mm-hmm. it's a twofold thing. We talk about comorbidity or comorbid addiction, which means that you could have a dual diagnosis, which means your addiction is either fueled by the mental health or the mental health is fueled by addiction or they're co-occurring together. And in my case, um, when I went into when I first met with my addiction counselor, my they was like you. I was incoherent. I was speaking so fast. It was like you were speaking so fast. No one could understand what you were saying. You were so excited that people would listen to you. You was bouncing off the walls. And they said you'll change because that's part part of your trauma and part of your addiction. Months later, I was with them and I was just talking normally. And it was like, hey, everybody, come here. Look at this. You remember this guy, right? And I didn't even remember what they were talking about. There's like you was in, incapable of speaking properly for the first week. The thing was, I had to go in to see a therapist and I had to go take Wellbutrin, which was they were saying to me, they was like, you don't realize it, but you're so sad. That you see normal, like you'll come into a room, you'll talk to people, you but they was like, if normal people are here, you're all the way down here. Mm -hmm. And we want you to take this so it could bring your uh, serotonin levels up to a healthy level, at least so you could kind of be in the middle range where people's at. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm walking around sad all the time and don't know it. And those are the type of things that we have to uncover and kind of talk about to help people. Right. And. There is a there there is an end game. I mean, like through time, I started. It took time for me, right? It took about five years for me. I was on a medication for a year. Then I started meditating, started using prayer, started using exercising, started cutting people out. Like I will only deal with people in my life that I, I that was really manageable. I realized I get anxiety really fast if I think or stay in the future. If I put anything in the future or think about anything obsessively, I get totally anxious. So I just have to really learn myself, love myself. And I just want to say thank you for sharing that because you're courageous in doing that. Right. And sticking with the medication. Most people just have you can open up a drawer and they have just the bottles piled up. They don't really take them. Um, And. You know, it takes a lot to talk about it because, you know, this is sober is dope. And people always think they're not going to talk about mental health. And that's the first thing I want to talk about. What's up with your trauma? What's up with that trauma? Let's talk about that. What's up with the mental health? Right. Because yeah. if we put all we, we shove all this stuff under the rug, eventually we'll get in trouble down the line. And part mm-hmm. of my success in recovery is just being courageous enough to talk about all of these things and deal with it. And um, I just really want to thank you because you touched on a lot, because I remember when you said, you know, the dog dying. Right. Then you hit the state where you want you kind of don't know why you want to hurt yourself, but it's like, I just don't want to deal with all of this stuff all the time. Right? 
that heavy that heavy load um so how are you doing now how are you doing today i mean not great right i mean not great i've been sobbing my face off since sunday i was um i found out that i'm covid positive and um i my son and i are our heart our heart high risk you know because of the heart and i also have copd and asthma from all the years of smoking um and i'm also a cancer survivor i had stage one cancer um two years ago on my ankle like who gets uh-huh. cancer on their ankle right. me um but i did used to be kind of a sun worshiper and um so, you know, the last year I've I've lived in a lot of paranoia about this pandemic and been like, I mean, it's like I've got holsters for my hand sanitizer and all the masks and like, you know, we go nowhere and I've been really careful and, um, and unfortunately not careful enough. Um, and 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 fortunately we we did have one of the two vaccines already um and what i'm being told is that it's actually work it's doing what it's supposed to be doing and it's it's really helping fight off you know symptoms so right now my symptoms are very mild um and i'm so incredibly grateful for that and and i I wish i could tell you that i can just stay in that gratitude and be like everything's going to be great but inside i just go to extreme places and fear is such a thing and like last night as I was walking my dogs, I'm just, just uncontrollably sobbing. Um, and then, and then I'm just like, why do I do this? Why do I go? Like I, I go to fear when it's just like, God's got it. God's got it. God's got the plan and it's okay. And I'm going to be okay. Um, but there have been a lot, there have been a lot of tears this week. And so that's hard. Um, but, you know, I have a support system and I'm talking to people about it and it's not anything I have to drink over. And it's just like, you know, and I, I have, you know, things that I do that it keep myself entertained. I love taking pictures. I love looking through my old pictures. I, I'm artistic not in a good way (laughs) but i like to color and draw and paint and craft and just and um and just do things to kind of like that bring me joy um and you know you mentioned meditation um i have an the oculus virtual reality yes and um, there's a lot of really cool meditation games on there. And um, there's also like a National Geographic app. And so like um, I'll go on and I'll go to this beach because I'm, I'm a cancer sign. I love water. It's probably why I love the Pacific Northwest, right? right. I, if I'm around water, I feel at peace. Um, I live on a lake. And um, so I'll put on the mask and I'll go to this, <laughs> this tropical, beautiful beach with the clear blue water, right? And this sounds stupid because I'm in my living room, but I've got the fan going on me and I put my flip-flops on and I get a nice little cold beverage. I put the mask on and then I just do some deep breathing and just pretend that I'm at this beach and just bring it back center. And then I'm okay, you know, and then I'm okay. So um, it's so cool that there are so many things available now, tools to help us. I have a couple other meditation apps that work really well for me. Um, And so um, that's, that's how you just... And, and I have to just know that like t- 
feelings are when they're uncomfortable or when they're amazing it doesn't matter they're only temporary right Mm, right. and sometimes when they pass they're uncomfortable like gas i don't know a better way to say it Um, but they're not constant right they do change i'm not going to feel this way forever and i understand that now and i know it from experience and so you know and so today i just have to get through today and then it'll be okay and that's a beautiful thing a couple of things you're healing so well that you're so I just read this article, right? And I'm gonna send it to you. They said that the when you're tearing up like that, it's actually healthy for you because it's emotional tears transforms the mind and body in a specific way. I saw Harvard Review article, I'm gonna send it to you. It really okay. touched me because some people are so disconnected. Um, but the other thing is you're not no longer you're no longer numbing yourself right through your recovery you're getting all of this stuff out and that's a purging because it shows that you care you're sending a notice to the universe that you know i'm dealing with this stuff it's tough i don't want to be doing this i want to feel well i want to be healthy and it's like it's not always fear sometimes it's just extreme caution extreme concern extreme connection and love for self and that is a form of self-care and just as long as you know you're not alone uh but the point i'm trying to make is we live to fight another day and I'm extremely proud of you for your courage because you just even talking about it you know um some days I feel so callous and so numb I wish I could cry right because I'm still disconnected from a lot of that in myself like I'm like come on man like something terrible happened it's almost I feel sociopathic because I look at it and I'll have no real emotion about it and I, I gotta get back to a point where I could be emotional and like feel again right so you're feeling and in that process you're healing and I know you're gonna get through this because I'm praying for you. We all praying for you. And I just want to say this. Don't look at all of the other stuff, the other symptoms like the kids, the heart and all of that. Just just know you're going to be all right. Right. Put it in God's hand. And when you're afraid, that's fine, too. That's not saying to God, you don't have faith. That's just saying to God, like, I have faith in you. I just love myself enough to feel this. Like, I don't, yeah. like I'm going through this. And thank you for your courage with that, because, look, we go through stuff, but we're not alone. Now, imagine if you had to go through all this and you was using Oh my no. god. No, oh, I would be that no, that would be a disaster. Right, right. Such a disaster. <laughs> so God is good, man. God is good. So Elise, you 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 did all of this. So within the 10 years, uh, we're gonna wrap like this. You went from your twenties to your thirties, you moved from um where you were to Seattle, you wound up becoming this innovative media maven a marketing guru you worked at the seattle met right that didn't work then you wound up becoming a director of business development for king five nbc right on top of that you was on the board for six years at recovery cafe right friends of the recovery cafe network and now you volunteer for king county recovery um coalition so look at that right ladies and gentlemen this is a testament of what choosing yourself in recovery looks like Right. And so with all of this success and stuff, um, what's on the table for you now? And could you please tell us about this amazing campaign you have coming up for 424? I would love to. I would love to. Um, So last summer, I started The Sober Curator um, in part because I am a media gal that loves uh, curating content. I I obsess over content, TVs. TV shows, movies, books, podcasts, merchandise. I love it all. And especially when it surrounds recovery. And so I started the sobercurator.com, which is like a lifestyle blog that, that is just 
I don't know if this sounds too ambitious, but I want it to be like a Vanity Fair meets Rolling Stone for sober people. Right. Um, because I wanted it for myself. And so I actually don't care if people like it or not. I'm building something that I love. And if I'm the only one that reads it, fine by me. But right. it as it turns out, people are liking it. And what's happening is I've made all these relationships with all these people in sobriety, such as yourself, across the country, in other countries. And we're like, oh, I like what you're doing. What you're doing works with what I'm doing. Let's join forces. And it's just like right. all these little allies have been made. And so I've made, I've collected this posse of like dope sober right. people. Right. And um, these gals in Canada from Seek Purpose podcast, um, Brooke and Suzanne, they had started this campaign last year called Just 424. And the idea was they were going to do kind of this pop up event and encourage people to celebrate it was a day of celebrating recovery um and and people that are in recovery they're sober all the time but their loved ones they could come in and be allies and just stay sober for the day and to do fun things because i think people assume that when you remove drugs and alcohol from your life like suddenly they think we get like boring or something right. which is like such a conundrum to me because it's just like i've never had more fun right than being sober and so they tried to do this event last year and the timing was just off right covid came that's all that was on the news obviously no events so they took it virtual they did a facebook live they had a little bit of momentum going and so then a couple months ago earlier at this year they started talking about well we did this event last year it was like this and i'm a gal that throws some of seattle's biggest parties i've been throwing parties in this town for 10 years and um i was like well i can i can help with that are you guys going to do it Again, why don't we do it again let's do it again and so just for 24 is coming up this this saturday it's april 24th and we're just asking the recovery community to take to their social media feeds and recover out loud by showing some fun thing that you're doing it can be anything right um uh, think of it like the ice bucket challenge, um, you know, but we're not asking you to dump ice on your head unless that's fun for you, then do that. Right. But we're trying to go viral. We're trying to show the world that a life in recovery does not mean that it's boring. You can be, you can still have so much fun and that could be anything. Anything could be fun. You could make a fort in your living room with your kids and that could be a blast. You could right. bake cookies. You could go for a run. You could show off a new pair of dope socks that you get. I don't really care. Right. We just want to show the world how much fun you can have and there will be a Facebook live. Um, you're going to be on it right, and I'm right, going to be on it right, right, um, right. from one o'clock to four 30 Pacific time. So adjust accordingly, wherever you're at um, a ton of different people in recovery are going to be coming on in like 15 minute, minute increments to talk about their journey, their recovery and get people pumped up about the fun things they're doing. There's a ton of prizes. Like I, I couldn't even tell you what they are. There's so many of them. Right. Um, and what we're hoping is that this becomes an annual, an annual thing that every year on April 24th, the recovery community knows around the world this is our day to celebrate um and 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 as it grows and i believe it will and what we'll see in next year and the years after and when we're on the other side of a pandemic is that people in individual markets and you know in your city in my city we can organize these uh, pop-up parties that it could be a blast like sober carnival type things sober coachella i don't know it could be anything sky's the limit right Right. especially if we're sober because we got so much energy so um 
So that's what we're doing. Uh, there's a whole bunch of us doing it. And on, on Instagram and TikTok is where I'm seeing most of it. There's a little on Facebook. Um, but you can check out the website, uh, just424.com. There are templates you can download with logos and artwork if you don't feel like oh, that's something you're it. easy to do. Um, there's a whole kit that you can download that gives you tips on how to get involved and make it super easy, super turnkey. And we're just really trying to raise the vibration, right? Right. And do they, so, so people do videos and stuff and then they videos, put, pictures, go live, whatever floats okay. your boat. Got it. We want, you know, we want it, it. Think of it like, you know, um, the American Heart Association, they have the go red for women day when everybody right. wears red, even right. if you have not had a heart problem. Correct. Think of it like that. We're just not asking you to wear a specific color. Right. 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 So it's just we're just asking you to have fun. Have fun. That's it. That's, <laughs> That's it. it. Just have fun. Right, right. So I love that. I love that. And I'm happy to be involved. And I wanted to get you on to talk about it. We're going to publish this before then. I'm going to try to get as many people involved. And that's exciting. And I wanted to say this. You've been talking about this mag- your magazine for a long time. It doesn't exist and it will be big. We need it. We have to put that in the universe, right? Because mm-hmm. I remember the first time I heard you mention it. It's like you want I know it's something that you want to do and you're thinking about it, but people will love it. I love it. The artistic direction and everything is going to be spot on and i think this could go bigger than anything we so do it i'm telling you i'm giving you that universal confirmation take it. take it do it blow up you have all my support you know i do the music stuff also and um and even with soap is dope i know what it feels like to really want to give back and do something great but you really want to help it get to critical mass so it can have an impact so anything that i could do you have my support and thank you for bringing me in because i feel the love i feel the love i can't yeah. Help it, you're dope. I can't help but bring you in. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You said something I might want to start. Um, dope sober people. I might make that the other side uh-huh. of um sober like dope. Sober dope, like dope it. sober people, right? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do we gotta do that. We should do that. I'm gonna do that shirt for uh 424 and do that and add that to the giveaway also. We're gonna do that like dope sober people 424. I'm gonna do a shirt. That's um, cool. But anyway, Elise, I know you have a lot going on. Um, also, can you tell people briefly about Sober Pop and what your guys are doing on Clubhouse? Oh, yeah. So um, we do a couple of virtual events right now with the Sober Curator, since obviously we're still not uh, free to move about the cabin. So the new Clubhouse app, um, which is currently um, only available to iPhone users. Sorry, Android people. It's not my fault. Um, but it is a cool app. I like it. It's audio only. So uh, a girl like me likes it because I don't have to worry about my hair or my lipstick or if my ring light is working, right? Um, And I also feel like when you don't have a screen and you aren't busy staring at other people or staring at yourself, it kind of like just makes you even freer to talk your mind. And there's all, think of it like this big chat room. There's all different rooms. You can go in with all kinds of topics. And so we started a club called Sober Pop. Um, We only meet once a week because, you know, we're all busy people, professionals. We have lives, but we like coming together to talk about like-minded things and so each week the theme changes so last week was um, recovery merchandise and you were on talking about that and we had some great other guests that came on Uh, the week before that we were talking about recovery podcasts 
Um, this week, we're going to be talking about the booze-free boom and all these alcohol-free brands that are like popping out of the woodwork. That's a whole industry that is like, I've looked at some of the research and analytics around right. the data of what that industry, and it is just like skyrocketing. Um, and then later this month, we're going to be talking about sober travel, what a trip, like how to travel sober and the tips that you that you should know. Like, you know, um, so it's each week it changes, but it's, it's fun. It's all based around pop culture so whether we're talking tv shows or movies or celebrities um it's just um it's a way for like-minded people to come together and talk about this recovery lifestyle that we're i mean we're, we're making this a lifestyle this is a lifestyle right? right and so it's just a way to celebrate that in a really easy one hour you know super chill you can be folding laundry while you're doing it right, I've, right. i know that there's been some girls that have been like in target when they're listening in right, so right. It's, it's fun, and we've got about 250 people in the club right now, nice. and on average, we get about maybe 30 people that will show up, which is small, but it's intimate, and I kind of like it that way. Right, right. I do, too. So, I yeah. do, too. Well, congratulations on all your hard work. Elise, I want to say this before we go. Your journey, 15 years and counting may is going to make 15 years it's been so inspirational listening to you your process how you're fighting um everything you're doing how you dealt with your mental health right how courageous you are now in your current situation and how despite anything that's going on around you you take the time and find the energy to give back and to bring light and love to people right when i see you online i just see a lot of joy and stuff and i know sometimes whether you're going through pain or struggling you don't always show it because you have enough strength to reject love and energy to people and you're giving back in that way and that's a god trait i just want to thank you for being courageous to sharing your story today um and being vulnerable because that's hard for many of us and it just means a lot to me and i wanted to connect with you so long thank you for loving me and giving me and now i'm getting emotional but thank you for giving me the love and taking the time out one of the first people that bought some sober is dope swag you show me a lot of love on the yana app and shout out to the people over there and I just want to say, keep up the good work. And in closing, um, can you let everyone know where they can find you and any parting words or advice you want to give to the recovery community? Sure. Um, I'm in lots of places. So you can find me at thesobercurator.com. Um, I also have elisebryson.com. I'm Elise in the City on Instagram. And then there's um, the Sober Curator on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and Pinterest <laughs> and Twitter. Um, now, when I say we're on TikTok, though, like, please, no, don't have high expectations going in because it's just not I just shake it like a white girl. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know how to do all that stuff. But um, we're in lots of places. We have a, a newsletter. Um, and uh, I'm just I was so honored to be asked to be here, Pop. And um, I love the message that you're carrying. And I love that we get to carry it together from opposite sides of the country. And right. um, my only parting words are, um, you know, that. That if you're if you're new to sobriety or you're even just curious, just start just start reaching out to people because there's just so many of us that want to share this thing that we have found, um, and and there are people that will surround you and be there for you and uh, help you on your journey. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap for our amazing episode with Elise Bryson and. 
the founder of the, of the Sober Curator. And I love you all. Elise, thank you so much for blessing Sober is Dope today. This is a really good episode. It's going to help many people. I know it will. And you're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. I love you all. I'll catch you on the other side.